0: Right, so the case of Norway. Um, The history of hormone pregnancy tests in in Norway has, as in Finland, I believe, Merle's paper, written paper that is uh, ended with, hasn't really been that contested. Um, Now, this is uh, something that I've been doing aside my uh, PhD work. So it's, uh, I just want you to know that it's kind of preliminary. And um, what I've been looking at, for the most part, is the Norwegian Medicines Agency's archive, uh, which uh, has been uh, open to me, in a way, not as as, um, difficult to access as the Finnish one, uh, apparently. But before going on, to what I'm going to do is sort of present more or less of a timeline of events in, in my country, or in Norway, and how this a uh, story rolled out. But before doing that, let me just say a few quick words on Norwegian drug regulation. It has been um, well, somewhat of a special case internationally, as it is or has been the only country with a sort of need clause attached to the medically justified. So a new drug had to be medically justified and needed um, all the way up until the 1990s, when we started negotiating with the EU. Um, and this was very much a part of the ideology of a very influential health director that we had in Norway from 1938 till 1972. His name was Carl Evang and he sat for this, he held the seat for this entire period until his um, retirement then in 1972. And so it was the health director, both in theory and in practice, that um, appointed an expert panel and personally led the discussions and also made the final decisions for each drug. And what was kind of the ideology here? Well, it was a sort of less is more policy. Yeah? So the principle was that to, ma- or to make sure that number of registered drugs was kept to the lowest level possible. And this becomes relevant later as this sort of story uh, develops. So that's sort of a little bit particular to to Norway and also what I thought was particular to my country, but now it turns out not to be that particular because Merle has talked about this five-year registration period. That was also the case in Norway at the time. A drug was only registered for five years, then it had to be revised, giving Norwegian authorities a possibility to revise. Uh, well, the product, the need, um, and the medically, and whether or not it was medically justified. If you have any questions as I speak, just raise your hand. OK. So health director, I said. Well, subordinate to the, the health director was the Norwegian Medicines Agency. Um, they were in charge of marketing authorizations, classifications, vigilance pricing, reimbursements, and providing information on medicines to prescribers and, and the public. Now, so, the process of, this is just one of the commercials, I'll get back to it, the process of registering. Oh, I like to move about, but somebody told me I have to stand here because of the microphone. <laughs> if you can't hear me, then just tell me. Anyway, the process of registering uh, primodos began in 1961 under the name of Droginon, the German name, as we've heard. Uh, and after some back and forth, because the Norwegian Medicines Agency, I'm just going to call that NOMA from here on after. The NOMA had their own lab- laboratory, so they wanted to test the drug, and it was a bit back and forth. And in the end, they approved Primotos. Um, after having done all their um, considerations. What they based their approvals on for the most part, or the three principles in a way, was, as I said, whether or not it was medically justified, whether or not there was a need for the product, if price was in proportion to value, and whether or not the advertising was considered appropriate. So it was finally registered in um, 1961 in uh, packages of two tablets and 20 tablets. And the indications there were secondary secondary amenorrhea, or menstrual irregularities, and pregnancy tests. As you can see from this timeline, then, it was not supposed to be revised until 1960, Six, but it was already revised in 1963 because they wanted to double the doses of active substances. So that was what, what happened in 1963. They reapplied because they wanted to double and the NOMA agency said, okay, it's fine. And so they doubled the doses of ethanol estradiol and norethisterone in, in 63. Now around this period, A similar product was also registered in Norway, namely gynecosid, which uh, was kind of the same thing, more or less, with a different um, manufacturer. Right, so for the next couple of years, until 1966, and who was it that talked about the intensive marketing campaign that was run in 66? Uh, Somebody did. <laughs> anyway, in 1966, uh, sharing ran uh, quite, quite an intensive marketing campaign. Uh, and this is one of the sharing... Uh, from I think this is Jesse's finding from the Sharing Archive, actually. It's just an informational leaflet saying, okay, uh, why is my period late? Doctor, we expect an answer from, from you. Okay, we'll just go back to the timeline. So 1966, the registration is renewed and nothing much happens until concerns start to emerge just after the publication of um, Isabel Gall's article in H.A. 1967. So in 1968, Norwegian physicians begin expressing concerns but the question doesn't really Um, end up on the table of the Norwegian Medicines Agency until 1970. So early in 1970, the Norwegian Medicines Agency have a board meeting in which they decide that the indication pregnancy test should no longer be a valid indication for um, primodos or other equivalent hormone products. And why do they do so? Well, as I said, concerns have been... um, around since 1968. But importantly also, in 1970, this researcher, Dagfinn Årskog, which was a professor in pediatrics and medical genetics. He publishes an article. It doesn't, it doesn't get published until June, but the Numa agency receives a letter from him in February. So you see, this is kind of offers a nice parable to the story of of uh, Isabel Gall, who also, as I understood from the, from the film, uh, tried to sort of warn the uh, authorities, which he also does. Be- before his research is published, he writes a letter to the Noma saying, this is the outcome of my findings. I urge you to do something about it. And what has he found? Well, he is a medical geneticist and a, and a professor in pediatrics. He's done a study of um, Um, hypospadia um, amongst uh, Norwegian infants, or not not really only infants, but but children. So the name of this article, when it was eventually published then in June, was Clinical and Cytogenetic Studies in Hypospadias. So hypospadias is a male birth defect in which the opening of the tube that carries the urine um, from the body develops abnormally. So his um, research then in this article um, investigated a material of a of, you know like a huge material of hyperosmotic patients, 80 in total, but of interest to us in this case or to the Noma board in uh, in the 1970s was that all the mothers were asked about drug ingestion during the first trimester of pregnancy. And among these, remember, just keep in mind that there were 80, so there were loads of etiologies of of hypospadia that he wanted to to find out. But as it were, um, among these 80 then, a history of uh, hormone usage in the early trimester of pregnancy was found in, in five mothers, their infants representing different stages of hypospadia. And the type of drug that they had been taken was confirmed also uh, in four of the cases by either recovery of the prescription or statements from the the mother's physicians. So that left three or four cases where this hormone procedure treatment had been used for the purpose of a pregnancy test, hence where the infant's um, hypospadias could be linked to, to hormone intake in the early pregnancy. And so what Orchko concluded with, I mean, this is a long and very technical article on, on all sorts of possible causes of hypospadia, but, um, but let's just concentrate on, on this finding then. Um, well, this is a bit, perhaps a bit technical, but it's supposed to display the cases uh, in which, the three or four cases in which um, hormones were taken and to illustrate the different outcomes in terms of, um, at which point in the early trimester of pregnancy, you take the, the mothers had taken these hormones and the consequences, what the consequences would be. Right, so I'll just quote from his article. Um, The information obtained in these experimental studies and the observation observations, sorry, in the present study suggest that there might be a causal relationship between progestin treatment in early pregnancy and development of hypospadias. Although it cannot be claimed that there is a definite relationship between the occurrence of hypospadias and maternal progestin treatment, there is circumstantial evidence for suspicion of such a relation, and such suspicion should exhort to caution in giving such drugs to pregnant women. With the simple laboratory methods now at hand to test for pregnancy, there is no need for these potent steroids to be used for this purpose. And he continues, the mother should be asked about drug ingestion during the first trimester of pregnancy with special reference to any hormone treatment. It is our impression that a woman is not likely to report a pregnancy test with progestin as drug um, ingestion unless especially questioned on this point this is in June 1970, but as I said, he reported this in a letter to the NOMA board already in February. So what did the NOMA board do in February? Well, they decided to remove the indication pregnancy test from the product, and they informed sharing and um, AFI, which was the manufacturer of gynecosid, but they informed sharing of this decision, um, and what did sharing do? Or what did NOMA first say? Well, what the NOMA board said was, today, there are other more direct and completely undangerous diagnostic methods to indicate pregnancy. And this is why the indication pregnancy diagnostics from here on after will not be approved for hormone preparations. (laughs) And actually, sharing didn't really have any objection to this. But they counted by asking to keep the two tablet package on indication menstrual irregularities, secondary amenorrhea. And so Noma not knowing exactly how to counter this, they asked what, what the board relied on was their close-knit relations to individual physicians, Norwegian physicians who acted as their special consultants, which is what they did in this case also. They approached one of their consultants, professor uh, in gynecology, Odmund Koller, who worked closely with Dagfinn Orskog. the other Uh, professor that we were talking about. So I'm just saying this just to illustrate how very (laughs) small a country it is and how close the relations between the board and its consultants and between the consultants also are and to some extent, no, sorry, were and to some extent are. So Koller is um, given this problem then uh, for him to to, um, comment on. What shall we do about this two package to tablet package, is it okay for for us to keep it on indication secondary amenorrhea? Because sharing says it should be so. Um, Well, Collor answers in the negative. He says that short-term amenorrhea, and not caused by pregnancy, should preferably be treated over a 10 to 14 day period. Uh, and since such preparations are already on the market, there's no indication to keep promoters all gynecosid two tablet packages on the market. We could just go back to the other timeline, hi. So from, uh, well, that was, yeah, from, sorry. let's we'll just go back there, right. So pregnancy test is m- removed and colour says then um, no, we should not keep uh, this two, two tablet package for secondary amenorrhea either because there are other products to to um, uh, to aid with that. Um, so no more returns to sharing with this. we still in 1970. Just we haven't started with this yet. And repeats exactly what Caller said. No, we're not going to no. keep the two tablet package for secondary amenorrhea, sorry, secondary amenorrhea either, Um, but sharing is still not completely ready to sort of cave in, and they send over all the German literature they have supporting that secondary amenorrhea should be an indication for this two-tablet package of uh, but. The NOMA board dismisses these sources as outdated uh, because they are from the 1960s and repeats that the two-tablet package will inevitably be deregistered as of September 1970. The 20-tablet package stays on the market, but that's perhaps a different story for... of less interest for some of the, the people here present. Right, so... Uh, that's what happens. It is deregistered in 1970. But it stays on the market for secondary amenorrhea in 20 tablet packages. So um, what happens next is that um, the, the new valid indications then, as I've said now, uh, secondary amenorrhea and color, f- for some reason or other, just add suppression of lactation. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, the um, entry in the Norwegian Pharmaceutical Product Compendium, which is sort of well, an encyclopedia of drugs that um, doctors at the time would, would sort of carry with them or have in their offices. Uh, the entry for Primodus is altered to, well, include precisely these indications. And that's Coller's work. That's what he's done. He's, he's sort of altered that entry um, on behalf of the Norwegian Medicines Agency, but as he completes that in early August 1972, sharing <coughs> applies for a renewal of registration uh, for the 20 package because it's about to um, go out; its it, their their sort of um, license is running up in January 1973. So um, they want to renew it, and the Noma Board doesn't really know how to, what to do, it appears. Um, so they return to Koller, who, as I said, just completed the new entry in the uh, sort of encyclopedia of drugs, and ask him to give, give a comment on the indications and contraindications on whether or not this product is medically justified. Mm, was that was just for the sake of drama. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. And um, it appears that Colin must have changed his mind because by uh, January 1973, he no longer sees that there is any point of having promoters on the market at all. His response is as follows I quote Secondary amenorrhea has not really been an adequate indication for the situation at hand. That is, in this particular situation, a woman would not really see her doctor if the possibility of pregnancy was not present. I cannot see that there's any need for this medication in cases of real, real secondary amenorrhea. And that sort of settles it for the Norwegian Medicines Agency Board. And in a February meeting um, in um, 1973, they ruled that all hormone the hormone products or hormone or promoters and, and uh, gynecosid, 20 tablet packages are no longer medically justified. But as I said, the two tablet packages on indication of pregnancy tests had by then already been off the market for two and a half years since 1970. Okay, um, along comes 2014. <laughs> Uh, as I said, um, the Norwegian history of this has not been nowhere near as contested as I now learnt that it has been in this country. Uh, fortunately, I should say, for, for Norway. Um, but what happens in, uh, two years ago then, as Dagfinn Årskog passes away, we remember the professor with the article, is that the UK Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, Uh, requests information from the Norwegian Medicines Agency about the historical regulatory action taken in Norway. And the NOMA returns with a sort of brief version of what I've just related to you. Um, And what they've done subsequently about that information, I do not know. So in terms of concluding, um, and I suppose maybe trying to give an answer to uh, a previous speaker's question on who's, who's given priority here. Is it the patient and the public health or is it the uh, pharmaceutical industry? I think it's rather safe to say that in Norway uh, patient and public health has, has, uh, have come first. Also, just reminding you of the particular particularities of, of the Norwegian case. It was, as I said, characterized by this close relations between the Norwegian medicines agency's board and its consultants. This need clause, is there a similar product on the market, do we really need this? We don't need promoters to package because we already have all these new other ways of testing for pregnancies, we don't need it. Uh, The less is more principle um, to make sure that the number of registered drugs were kept to the lowest level uh, possible. All of these things then contributed to the relatively early Uh, banning of hormone pregnancy tests in Norway. Thank you.